Hey everybody, Mark here, and thanks so much for joining us for this week's Menlo Midweek Podcast. We are diving in with Rochelle Summers and Phil Eubank to continue our series Christmas at the Movies. And just a heads up that we have tons going on between now and Christmas. If you want to get involved with some of the things that we have going on, we would love to have your help and your support as we are bringing hope and peace and joy to those around us in the forms of putting on Christmas concerts, broomball events for students, serving events around our campuses, and much more. So if this at all interests you, I'd love to encourage you to reach out to our team at 650-600-0402. Let us know that you would like to make a difference in your area or just come and hang out with us. So uh, again, thank you so much for your continued support and generosity. We cannot do this show without you. And we have big plans for this show going forward into the new year that will require your help. So uh, we'd love for you, if you have any experience at all with film or production or social media or anything like that, to reach out, let us know, so we continue making a difference for good for the Bay Area and beyond. So now let's go ahead and jump into this week's Menlo Midweek Podcast. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Menlo Midweek Podcast. My name is Mark, and we have... Rochelle Summers with us today. Thank you for having Woo-hoo. me. And I think Phil gets his own introduction from now on. I don't. I sure. can't remember where we landed I, last time. Uh, yep, I'm also here. But mm-hmm. Phil's back with Phil us. Phil is here. Mm-hmm. What's awesome. up, everybody? And we are continuing in our Christmas series, Christmas at the Movies. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, just to start out, I thought it'd be really fun. You kind of shared what your Christmas morning present experience opening was like. Mm-hmm. But Rochelle, what mm-hmm. was Christmas morning like for you growing up? Growing up, um, I would say it was a little bit of both chaos and my mom really trying for us to do like the individual gift giving thing. Okay. Um, Curated chaos. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So a little bit of both. Me as a parent now, I try to do the one at a time Okay. uh, with our kids, which is nice. And actually, until recently... On Christmas morning, my children only received one gift and a stocking from myself and my wow. husband. Okay. That was on purpose. Is it because you don't love them? Or? Uh, no, I love them <laughs> very much. But um, our kids were the only grandkids for a very oh. long time. And so Christmas... So it was just going nuts. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Christmas Eve was the thing for that them with yeah. both our families. Yeah. Too many presents, overwhelming and then it was like a really special gift from us Christmas That's morning. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. I know you love your kids. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> How so, about you, Mark? Um, it was a mix of both. So I remember I'm someone that like will, even if you give me something um, a day before my birthday and tell me to open it, I'll be like, I can't. It's not my birthday yet. Unless you like insist that I open it then. Mm-hmm. So we would have presents underneath the tree. And then usually Santa would bring us a really cool gift that wasn't always wrapped. Okay. So I remember when I'd pass like where the tree was in my house, I would hide my eyes so that like, <laughs> I like wouldn't see what Santa wrapped or what Santa brought for us. We would have some kind of um, pastry or dessert or like a kind of like a sticky bun, cinnamon bun kind mm-hmm. of a thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then every other Christmas, my dad would be working in the hospital. So when he was working in the hospital, it was torture. It was, mm. man, I got to wait for my dad to get home yeah. at like <gasps> 2 o'clock before oh, we open gifts. My mom would usually give us one or two to open. That was like a puzzle or activity for us to do together until dad got home. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it was just opening in kind of similar fashion. We would open um, one at a time, typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was the opposite of Missy. Missy's, full, I've heard Missy, chaos. I think it's full chaos. Yeah, that, that seems right. kind of on yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, it feels totally right. Yeah. It explains a lot, actually. It does. Yeah. <laughs> 
What about in the Eubank household? Yeah, uh, my parents, uh, like my mom was usually up sort of milling about, maybe making breakfast. And my dad, for whatever reason, I mean, he didn't, uh, he never knew his dad. His mom gave him up at birth. He was raised by his grandmother. Like his childhood was a complete mess. And so I think there was a lot of like displaced hope in what Christmas could represent. So uh, especially for gifts and stuff, it was kind of an all out thing. And part of that for my dad was he was big into photography. And so he would spend, I'm not kidding, what felt like 10 hours, you know, in the morning of Christmas, <laughs> uh, putting together and assembling the right lens and the right camera body and the right light and all the things that he wanted. Uh, and we're just all sort of sitting downstairs looking at our stockings. Every now and then we would be allowed to open our stockings uh, without oh, yeah. the camera. And then we would eat, and then maybe he would be down in time to do presents. But that was always kind of the joke. Like, my dad, most of the year, wasn't around. Mm -hmm. And then uh, kind of when he was, it wasn't always awesome. And so Christmas was like this hilarious other side that we never really got to see except on that day. Interesting. So, yeah. And so now for you as a dad, are you... Are you feeling your dad's footsteps and just putting your kids through torture? Uh, <laughs> I try. Morning? I try not to. I try okay. not to. Uh, I've, you know, I've been in ministry all my for all my kids for all their lives, mm -hmm. and so I think the thing that's hard is uh, Christmas Day. I'm very tired, mm -hmm. uh, and so our kids are pretty cool with that. For a lot of years, we traveled on Christmas to go see Alyssa's family, yeah. uh, and so we would do Christmas on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. uh, and so now that timing has shifted a little bit. We get to have kind of Christmas together, which is sweet and special. Um, and Alyssa makes cinnamon rolls that are incredible. Yeah. And uh, we'll kind of take time to usually like read an age-appropriate Christmas story together. And then now, yeah, we do we do gifts like kind of by turns. And, sure. you know, some of the older kids, they like are very, you know, Maisie's our traditionalist. And so once you've done it one time, it is now sacrosanct. You will do it that yes. way mm -hmm. till Christ returns. And maybe in the new <laughs> heavens and new earth. I'm not sure yet. Uh, and so she's going to bring like each thing to each kid. And if somebody tries to do it different, even if it's a four-year-old losing his mind, she's like, no, no, no we're doing it this wow. way. So uh, we'll have that to look forward to. And yeah, there's usually just kind of some sweet little family moments that we get to celebrate throughout that day. And then kind of the week after is a little bit more flexible in our schedules. They're out of school. Yeah. Work stuff has slowed down after Christmas. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. It'll be great. This this last week has been full on every level, and the mm -hmm. next, whatever, three weeks are going to be full on every mm -hmm. level. And so I feel like Christmas is that time where usually I get sick, actually, on Christmas because uh, my body's like, oh, we're done now? Yeah. Okay, right. here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, so far, so good. Feeling okay? Yeah. Sounds like you need a good dose of peace before a Christmas day mm. comes around. That's Mark's segue ah! opportunity. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. I love this. You mm. can, you can, that was fantastic. Mm. Thank you, Great thank you. Job. Thanks, thanks. Yep. That's the gift I brought to you today. Right. I'll receive it. Thank you so much. I love that. It's great. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we talked about peace this last weekend, and it is, I was mentioning before we hit record that uh, I think peace out of all the kind of things we think about at Christmas time, peace feels like that one that is most elusive. And, you know, I, I use that quote this weekend that uh, peace is not just like this feeling, um, but actually it's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's, it's deeper than that. It's like a profound reality by which our hostility with God has ended. Uh, and so I think that's, that's true. Uh, I also think that um, that 
that moment, that experience of realizing that cosmic hostility with God has has been, we, we've been invited to have it end in our lives and in the world. I, I think that's such a unique moment we get to think about and celebrate at Christmas because mm-hmm. we see the stakes, we see what it took to do, and hopefully that brings some unique peace in our life. Um, the, uh, peace is an objective sense of moral harmony. That was the quote I used. Um, and so uh, I think hopefully there's space and time for all that. My spiritual director talks about the difference between uh, our our uh, life landscape and then our inscape. And so like landscapes, like what's happening outside of you. Inscape, like what is that doing inside of you? And uh, I think Christmas is an easy time to sort of forget about the inscape and just kind of power through the landscape. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's moments, sometimes it's, I'm going to take a minute before this next meeting. I'm going to earmark a little bit of time tonight, whatever. But uh, I think for a lot of us, we don't, I think, I think we're to, to a certain extent sort of addicted to the adrenaline of tradition. Mm-hmm. And so we actually don't want to deal with the inscape because we might not like what we find there, myself included. Mm-hmm. And so I think it takes uh, some unique habits to, to cultivate that in this season. Yeah, for sure. I, um, we obviously we just started decorating for Christmas or we did last week. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you make the yearly trek up to the attic and you're like, let me get all these boxes down. And then you realize, oh my gosh, how did we accumulate all these other boxes with other things in there? Uh-huh. And, um, you know, just going off of what you said of like, well, if we keep, um, not acknowledging all the other things in our life and just kind of powering forward, we're going to just get internalize all of the hard things or other things that we haven't been thinking of all through throughout the year. And while we're trying to enjoy this wonderful present time, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. You can't, you can't, um, move forward in life if you're continually, continually harboring or pushing down things or stuffing things in your attic. Yeah, well, I, I'll use the metaphor a lot of times in relationships that it's like, um, you know, like when you get onto an airplane, they give you the, container of where your um uh your carry-on has to go and you put your carry-on in if it doesn't fit it has to get checked and then uh now because everybody's wearing those like additional cross body bag things fanny packs over your shoulder as i like to call them um (laughs) they are like hey you can only have two things so if you have like that thing and then a purse and then another bag you're gonna have to combine two or check one and i just think that like a lot of times in our lives it would be hilarious if we could visually show the kind of carry-ons that we're taking through our lives, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not even in our attic. It's like we've right. got yep. we've got just roller bag after roller bag after right. roller bag of mm-hmm. unaddressed trauma and angst and bitterness with people and work that we're dealing with, and um, just being able to even take a second and in a healthy way compartmentalize like what can I actually carry today like some of that I can't I am not capable of carrying Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the good news of the gospel is that Jesus says cool Mm -hmm. you don't have to (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you can you can admit your limitations you can say God I can't fix my spouse I can't fix my kids I can't fix this colleague I can't fix this Mm -hmm. classmate I can't fix this teacher and God goes, cool, not your job anyway. Like, what does it look like for you to walk faithfully today? And just letting God show us that. And then hopefully feeling like we can start leaving some of that baggage behind us. But I think a lot of times in relationships, we're like, we're just not connecting. You're like, well, you can't even get on the flight to mm-hmm. get connected. Like, you got way too much luggage you're carrying with you. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably true all the time, but but especially at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, like, what baggage would be with the one that you can, like, ride on? You know what I'm talking about? What kind of baggage is that? Yeah, yeah. That's um, funny. But a lot of times, it, 
I mean, and you started your message with this was this season is about slowing down and intentionally slowing down will allow you to feel what you are carrying. And so uh, Missy and I, we were trying to figure out what Christmas movie to watch last night as we were decorating our tree. Die Hard. We had that conversation. Mm -hmm. We landed on Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And then that quickly changed to Elf. Sure, sure. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. We compromised and we watched Elf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, if you've um, never met Missy, it would make sense. Yes. That's all I'm saying. No, it was great. I wasn't complaining. It's um, good. But it was a, in, in a lot of the Christmas lists of movies, Miracle on 34th Street was number one yeah. on the Christmas list. Mm-hmm. And so, that put any pressure on you, Phil? Or how was, and I mean, it, I think it's the only movie that we're talking about so far that actually has a God component baked into. The movie itself. Mm. Yeah, well, actually, It's Wonderful Life is interesting because some people argue it's not a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a whole other debate. Yep. Because uh, if you think about it, it culminates in like a Christmas thing at the very end, but it's really like his whole life, and yep. uh, it's about a much bigger theme than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the the thing that people were so kind about is that for people that this is a movie that they have nostalgic memory of... Yes. Uh, I think you want to like handle it with care. You know, you mm. don't want to make it overly silly. You don't want to be flipping about it. Like that carries like really significant weight for people. Mm. Uh, and then I think increasingly, and I tried to make a pitch for this this weekend. Like we should watch old stuff. Like yeah. we should yeah. we should take time for this because mm-hmm. uh, in a culture where uh, we have so much sort of recency bias that everything and everyone before me was stupid. <laughs> And I'm so glad that we've arrived at this pinnacle of human evolution mm-hmm. and now we're crushing it at everything. Like, don't look at any news headline anywhere because that presupposition won't hold up. Yep. But uh, I think that there's just something that they hold that uh, can be really helpful because it is so much simpler. It just it feels like movies now assume everyone that watches them has ADHD. And you're just like, choo, 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 choo. Yes. Like any yeah. kind of movie yeah. is that way. Right. Um, and so uh, I just, re- yeah, I like the, I like its pace. And mm-hmm. um, I-, I think people that had this in their sort of lexicon of Christmas, they were very gracious. Mm-hmm. And people who didn't, hopefully I, you'll see me take a different approach this upcoming weekend with Elf because I assume more people know the story of Elf. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going Mm -hmm. to tell the story the same way that I did in It's Wonderful Life. Um, So I I think that's, uh, yeah, that's just a different, every every talk is different. You can, in a series like this, try to make it very formulaic, uh, Mm -hmm. where you kind of go, okay, now this is the part of the talk where we tell the story of the movie, but... Yep. Uh, I, I think it's it serves our church better to do it this way. Yeah. So. And there's a line um, that you repeated I th- um, that was something on the lines of asking about this person, this main character. Is is this person sick? No worse. He's discouraged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel like that was just enough right there to have me think about for the next week oh, in yeah. itself. Or even just to like underscore the the like substructure assumption from the God character that discouragement is worse than sickness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I think discouraged is also one of those words that I think sits underneath a lot of people's anger. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they say, I'm disappointed, mm-hmm. uh, what they really mean is I'm discouraged. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like hopefully giving people a invitation to think about the restlessness with which they live, mm-hmm. the thing that, 
that makes them feel discouraged, not encouraged, not feeling alive for today, not feeling hopeful for tomorrow, but right. feeling like, you know what? I'm disempowered. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling mm-hmm. like my life is disintegrating. Um, so hopefully, yeah, it was a hard one, but hopefully we didn't leave people there. That was just where we mm-hmm. tried to meet people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dis- discouragement you know, is a very lonely feeling too. You know, you find yourself in your own thoughts sometimes, or you don't know how to express it at times. Mother Teresa said, we can cure physical disease with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. And I think Mm. that is the greatest gift that we can give people in seasons of discouragement or even season, you know, in the season of Christmas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Love is like the antidote to despair, I would say. Well, I think a lot of that for us, like we go, what does what does love show up as in the season? I think maybe more now than ever, peace is translated through presence. Mm. And uh, you know, I'll make Rochelle feel uncomfortable. Rochelle and Matt are M- Matt Rochelle's uh, husband, who is on our staff, mm-hmm. campus pastor for Mountain View. Shout out! We often referred to him around the office as Rochelle's husband yeah. <laughs> and the podcast last week and the podcast. Um, he loves that. Uh, he does. Yeah, yeah. He really enjoys it. Um, but both of them really do give the like a great gift of just being present, mm-hmm. like not mm-hmm. distracted, not like putting on the air of I'd rather be somewhere else. And I think that with as much that happens in this season, in as much as you can, man, put your phone down like if you know that there's a five minute conversation don't make it three minutes let it be 10 minutes like Mm -hmm. what does it look like to to linger in this season Mm -hmm. uh if there's a if there's a principle from the emmanuel from the uh from the groundedness of the infinite becoming an infant uh, I think it's this idea that there is an unhurried presence of mm. God mm-hmm. and that for us to follow him means we get to model that in our own lives. And um, yeah, you guys do a great job. Like I, I, I received blessing from it. I am not inherently good at it. I have practices in my life to try to be better at it. And I think this time of the year where we are most prone to just drain one more thing out of our day, uh, yeah, I would say like when you can, don't. It's very kind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think as we're approaching a season that we are so hurried in, the the reminder to slow down and take inventory and to and that hopefully will point us towards what's most important and the reason for the season, as it like to be said. Um, you had a few um, a few awesome lines about peace. Once when we find peace um, peace is when basically we see our problems through God's promises, as well as uh, we have to surrender to receive peace as mm-hmm. well. Mm. So what does surrendering look like, and how can that inform the peace that we're trying to take in during this season? Mm. Yeah, well, I think I think like a helpful reality is that we don't actually have control. So this idea of like, I'm going to give up control to experience something, mm-hmm. um, if that's the thing you think, totally get it. Like I, I wrestle with that as well, but I, th- I think probably the like more accurate epistemological understanding of control would be, um, I am going to surrender my illusion of control. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to quit pretending that I'm in control. And as I do that, I'm going to be reminded, like you have two choices, right? When you do that, you either go, Oh my gosh, there's impending dread. It's all going to fall apart because it all depends on me. It never did, by the way. 
or we go, oh, thank you, God, that mm-hmm. all these things I've been trying to manufacture outcomes for, mm-hmm. all these things I've been trying to manipulate and triangulate people in situations to get what I want, God, I don't have to do that. Like, yeah, it may not, it may not end the way that I want it to end, but whoa, is that a more peaceful process? And so I think yeah. that um, you know the, the the promise of Christmas is that God was not just with us; He is with us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this illusion of control, we really can let it go. We really can release it. And I think it's almost um, you, you know it, it's a little bit like the I've used the metaphor for this idea before with the Chinese finger trap, mm-hmm. uh, where. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, the harder we pull, the more we're bound to it. Mm-hmm. I think that feels uh, a lot like how we struggle with peace. But it's actually like when we let go, that simultaneously the act of like letting go gives us greater freedom. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of uh, relinquishing this illusion of control simultaneously yep. gives us a deeper sense of peace as we're rooted in Jesus. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, hopefully even in the talk, hopefully even in our services, I love how integrated Christmas services feel because it all kind of talks to it. Like the design language, if you will, of a Christmas ser- service is so common mm-hmm. um, that hopefully it lets people kind of lean into it. You're not going, oh, I've never heard this song before. I don't like that you're going like, oh, Christmas. You know, <laughs> like they, you just are sort of swept up in it. Yeah. And I think we can find God's peace uh, in that. And then, you know, my prayer is always, uh, God, help this to still matter on Monday. Help this matter on Tuesday. Help mm-hmm. this matter mm-hmm. as people are facing real-world lives and challenges. And this just wasn't like a, a fun little serotonin hit right. in one hour on a Sunday, but this mm-hmm. is something that they can carry with yeah. them. So. Yeah. And this... I think this time of year as well, people are hungry for peace. People are hungry for something more. And so for our friends, coworkers, neighbors, family members that might not feel comfortable surrendering to a God that they may or may not even acknowledge exists, how can we help with this idea of letting go of control or whatever that looks like in hopes not to manufacture outcomes? How can we have these conversations? How can we encourage people that might not be able to connect the I'm letting go to there's a God that will then take control? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that on one level, uh, the more we can help our friends and family that don't know Jesus understand that we're normal people and that all the challenges they feel around Christmas time, we do too. Mm. I would say in, in church world, sometimes we feel them more. You know, like yeah. I have, uh, I, this is my first Christmas season at Menlo, and there is there is not a day and not an hour that I could not be doing something somewhere related mm-hmm. to Christmas, you know? Mm-hmm. And in church world, we sort of like, we just charge up for between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. Um, and so, you know, for that neighbor, coworker, friend, family member, maybe, hey, how's Christmas going for you? Oh, man, I'm just really overwhelmed. You know what? Honestly, me too. Like, I'm feeling that stuff too. Uh, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I was, like, spending some kind of personal study time today honestly asking God, can you take some of this off my plate, right? Yeah. It could just be that simple. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like, well, if you accepted Jesus. Like, it, it can just be... You can be a normal human being, and mm-hmm. I think that seasons like this, we have more in common culturally than we have different. Mm. Um, and then I think that there mm. are really fun opportunities to invite people. Like if you're planning on coming to the classic Christmas concert on Friday this week, invite a friend. Like that is the least threatening yeah. environment. It's going to yeah. be incredible. Anton's going to do a splendid job. It's going to all feel totally familiar to them because yeah. it's like super Christmas time. And uh, we told a story at Menlo Park this week of somebody that one of our worship leaders had invited to that concert, 
and they just hadn't they hadn't been in church since they were five years old, wow. and they uh, they didn't know why, but they just were weeping through mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. concert. Yeah, and you just don't know like what does it look like for you to connect the divine to the sentimental, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a unique opportunity we have as followers at Christmas time, and maybe that's inviting somebody to you know th- th- this question exists at Christmas and Easter in a way that it never does, even in our community. This is the question. Where are you spending Christmas Eve? Mm-hmm. Where are you spending Christmas Eve? Oh, you know, we're going to our parents. Okay, cool, great. Awesome. Where do they live? Yeah. Oh, we're just staying around here. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. You, would you like to come to church that morning, that afternoon, that evening with my family? We'd love to have you. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. even better. Do you want to have a meal with us? Like, mm-hmm. I just think that the the barrier to entry of hospitality to turn sentimentality mm-hmm. into a divine invitation is really, really big in this month. Love that. It's beautiful. What do you think, Rochelle? Um, I agree. And I think that's great. Also, I would say, you know, something that is very relatable all around is trying to figure out what is urgent versus what is important during this season. Mm-hmm. And how do you find peace in figuring those things out? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's always going to be a deadline. There's always the next meeting. There's always the next gift to purchase the next, you know, mm-hmm. party to go to, mm-hmm. which can sometimes feel overwhelming. But what is more important in this season? Um, who are the people you are with? And how can you bring the presence of peace um, in those you know, urgent times? So good. And I, and I think on top of that, if, if there's things that you do, first of all, if your family has traditions that are not life-giving, you should change it. Yes. Like, you should not <laughs> do those traditions. So it's like, oh, we always do this. Like, hmm. yeah, that's exhausting. I always think about that, honestly, for like moms out there that feel like they're doing just the lion's share of something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we always have to do this. Thing. Like I hear stuff almost mm-hmm. every day. And uh, if you're, you know, a mom or a dad, who knows, but you feel like this this area, this tradition is all on me, mm-hmm. I would say, first of all, let people know the weight of that right. and offer to have them share it with you. I would use it that, I want to offer to have you share this with me. Uh, or like, hey, can we... Can we just take the, I'm tired. Can we take this year off of that? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that we do a lot out of duty that we just don't set up good boundaries for. And then we go, why am I so exhausted? And like, mm-hmm. honestly, you won't want to hear me say this. You're exhausted because you didn't set up good boundaries. That's not their fault. That's yours. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we get the opportunity. Uh, no is in our vocabulary, mm-hmm. whether we're using it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that idea of w- what is urgent versus what's important and what is life-giving versus what is life-taking. Yeah. Uh, I think those are really good questions to ask right now. And if even if you're like, yeah, but it's already scheduled, it's already, you know, people are already, I don't care what people are expecting. You can change. Uh, you can change even right now yeah. uh, for the sake of you being able to experience these really meaningful Advent components that help us anticipate and celebrate the arrival of Jesus 2,000 years ago and not just commiserate at the end that we did all of these things, right? Um, but we're exhausted. Yeah. For sure. That's great. Well, going forward, we're moving out of the classics and into the contemporary classics with Elf next week. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, prep our community on as we're moving forward towards Christmas? Uh, well, I mean, Elf's a great movie, so buckle up for that. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. And uh, yeah, I think that it's a great, like, I I like the next couple weeks, um, kind of where we're going, I think will be, will be hopefully helpful. And if you're younger and you're like, are we going to look at movies that are, you know, filmed in color you know like yes yeah we are so hopefully hopefully you hang in with us um 
And then, yeah, the end of this week, so if you're listening to this on Wednesday mm-hmm. the 6th, on Friday the 8th, uh, the like email newsletter list of Menlo will receive an update. I've been talking about it most of this year, uh, but early this year, I was, uh, I, was I got um, an email from a group of survivors of abuse from Menlo about 30 years ago, and uh, really, really difficult, very tragic, and uh, really, they just honestly, they still need healing. And mm-hmm. uh, we began a conversation together, and it was kind of a back and forth a little bit and uh, had a moderated conversation or mediated conversation. And then it was it was pretty clear that um, uh, restorative justice was a process that was going to be very helpful, not just to this group of survivors, but if there's anybody else over the course of the decades that maybe has not felt comfortable to reach out. And if you don't understand this about um, especially abuse within the church, is that oftentimes it takes people decades Mm -hmm. before sort of that power imbalance and them growing up as an adult are are willing and maybe even able to verbalize Mm -hmm. what happened to them. And so we always want to be a community where someone could raise their hand and say, I need help. This happened to me. And not just for their good. Well, we want it to be that way. We as a church will also benefit because Mm -hmm. um, I would say we want to always be thinking about ways to get better. We always want to say, what does it look like to draw the biggest circle of safety around the next generation at Menlo. We want all at all of our campuses, we want where students and kids spend time to be the safest places in all of our communities. Uh, and so I think this process will help us get better at that. We've certainly had three years of getting better at that, and we're committed to continuing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I just think, uh, candidly, I, I think that there is, um, I think there's a spiritual component to dealing honestly with our past. And I think that's true for us personally. Uh, Like I certainly have lived that out in my own life related to childhood trauma. Um, I also think it's true for our church. And in 150 years, if we think that there's nothing we should ever look back at, we're just probably not being very honest. You know, Mm -hmm. we have people who have done amazing things and God's done incredible things through. And then we have people uh, through the cover of church that have used uh, that as a really as a precursor for abuse. And so um, even in some cases where the perpetrators of that abuse are no longer alive, we can still, well, we may not, uh, it may not be our fault, it is still our responsibility. And so the email that will go out will list some kind of important information. We're working with a uh, sort of a nonprofit. It's actually not Christian. It's led by two Jewish ladies, but a restorative justice process organization. There'll be a video that explains the process. It's about a half an hour long. That's linked in there. An invitation to a town hall meeting with that organization in January to answer any further questions. And then, sort of, um, yes, sort of what the next steps for that look like. So it'll be on our website. We'll keep that updated. We'll send it out Friday. I'll talk about it a little bit this weekend. Um, but I, I just think that the thing we all think about, like we all think about when we do stuff like this, um, and it's been this long, is this question of like, do we really, it's been a long time. Do we really need to do this? Yeah. Um, hmm. And I understand that, especially if you don't have any connection to this. I totally get it. I would say um, this is really about a, a posture of humility and repentance organizationally uh, to say we want to be open, we want to be honest, we want to be thoughtful, uh, we want to make sure that whatever we can. These are not people that like 
used to exist. These are these are human beings created in the image of God with infinite dignity, value, and worth that are walking around today yes. uh, with harm that was caused while they were at Menlo. And uh, if whatever way we can, we can be a part of the redemptive story of God in their life. Whew, man, I just think that that is something we should all sign on for. So mm-hmm. uh, I w- wanted you to hear it from me before it goes public. You'll, you'll feel like you've heard it a lot over the next week or two, but uh, I, I hope you hear the spirit in which um, it's intended. Yes. Well, thank you for helping us with that, and thank you for the year it's been. Mm. Wow. I, I <laughs> yeah. was looking at our Christmas services last year, and Phil was there, and I was like, I don't think he was actually on staff with us at that time, Mm-mm. but you still yeah, flew yeah. out. I had a couple, had a couple months as a volunteer for Menlo Church at yeah. the end of uh, 2022, for sure. Yep. No, it's great. And being able to experience Menlo at Christmas time, not just flying in for Christmas Eve, but like being here is pretty fun. I would say in Colorado, Easter on some levels was almost bigger than Christmas. And at Menlo, it's exactly the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And so being able to kind of like see and sense that, I think it takes a year in a new ministry um, to just understand people. And I've had a chance to be at all of our campuses uh, quite a few times and get to know campus staff and people at each campus. And then to do that sort of at each season of the year, hopefully it's going to help me uh, better understand and be able to relate to, and then hopefully help our staff to be able to be more unified to go, oh, Phil's pushing here, or he's thinking about that, but like, he's not as stupid as he was a year ago. He has some <laughs> idea of what's happening, so it's growth. Yeah, I'm glad to be less stupid than I was 12 months ago. Oh, yeah. Well, it's an amazing milestone for us to have you here for a year. Mm-hmm. And speaking of milestones, I know we're going to wrap up, but you had a great accomplishment this Big past weekend. Big deal, ladies and, and we gentlemen. we need to celebrate Mark what you did. Why don't you tell us about it? Uh, we ran a marathon, weaving me, Keith Riley, and Joshua Jewel Horton. Mm. Is that a metaphorical? Like you guys just had a long day? <laughs> it felt like that. <laughs> it felt like a really long day. No, we ran the California International Marathon Amazing. in Sacramento. Um, big shout to Josh. He was really the one that kind of included us mm-hmm. in in this goal that he had, and somehow along the lines four months ago we thought this was a good idea mm-hmm. <laughs> and um at different points yesterday we're all questioning that sure, sure. on sunday yeah, yeah. tripping uh, josh yeah <laughs> yeah um but it was it was something that is um very unique in the way that it tests all parts like i felt tested the whole time mm-hmm. never really felt great mm. didn't get that runner's high of like this is amazing right. meanwhile keith riley just bouncing around like a bushy-tailed bunny rabbit <laughs> going from people to people like high-fiving the crowd on the Amazing. way in and I'm just like focused on taking another step. Sure. Wow. Um, but it was, it was, yeah, it was something. I still don't really know what it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll do it again, mm-hmm. um, but I'm glad that I did it. Yeah, I, if you were like, I'm definitely doing it again two days later, I would be legitimately concerned about you. <laughs> Thank you. That's, Thank you. Yeah. Way to go, dude. Yeah. What was your time? A little bit over five hours. Way to go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, Keith and I were trying to shoot for under four, yeah. and we were. I was holding him back. If we're being honest, he, yeah. he absolutely caught a, could have got well under four, but he was pacing me for like the last six to seven miles, and we were right there. It's great, dude. That's Did a wonderful. great job. But you, thanks, you everyone. Want to show your medal to the camera. Oh yeah, yeah. And thanks everyone online that helped out as I was gone um, yes. on Sunday. Um, some of our host team awesome. pitched in, our prayer team pitched in. Um, they were praying for me. I could feel it. So, What if somebody hears that and they're like, I didn't know there were teams. Can I help? Absolutely. They <laughs> how, can. They, how would they do that? Uh, 
literally talk to anyone. Um, the best way would just come straight to me. You could text our team at 650-600-0402. And what I love about the Christmas season is that we are just encouraging everyone to help pitch in, no matter if that is putting up decorations, passing out a donut, pouring some coffee, singing with us on stage. Mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, we just want to include everyone in trying to being bearers of peace and joy and love and all of that stuff that we're also receiving. And so um, there are plenty of ways to do that in person, but online we get the privilege of being able to do that for not only the people here in the Bay um, that join us on campus, but people in the Bay that are considering joining us and then people outside of the Bay as well, yeah. whether that's joining us in person or joining um, somewhere in their local communities, helping people take next steps across the country, across the world. So um, we are lucky to be able to make a big difference wherever we are, and you can make a difference too at home right yes. now. Well, and if you're mm-hmm. really passionate about digital ministry, Mark's being bashful, so I won't be for him. Where And you're watching this especially. Uh, we are in part of a studio that, if we're honest, until very recently, the rest of the studio was really kind of like a storage room under construction. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of like last night, mm-hmm. the rest of the space is much more prepared for this kind of studio experience yes. to be replicated two or three more times. And so if you want to help really set some vision for what a space like this could look yes. like, what storytelling at Menlo looks like, how we might do training, how we might capture great, mm-hmm. fun, uh, cool new ideas. Mm-hmm. Mark would love yep. your help too. So uh, I think it's a mm-hmm. it's a really fun way. Like there's so much that God has done at Menlo through digital ministry, through Mark's leadership. And I think the next season is even brighter. And so if you go, man, I, I think about all the cool stuff I've gotten to see over the last few years, it's going to get even cooler and you could have a chance to be a part of it. I just encourage you, if you're thinking about it, uh, just reach out, take a step. Uh, it could make a bigger difference in your life and in the lives of other people than you know. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon. See you guys.